up, Commons LA? How we doing today? All right, that's a little bit better. Come on now. Um, it's my pleasure and joy to be here today. Uh, one of the things I remember about Devin, and so I just want to let you know that your pastor prays for you. He actually forgot his three by five cars, and I think they have the names of every person in the church. And so I live in the east side, and he's like, yo, forgot my three by five cars. Hit me back. I need you to come over to West End. Please give them to me. And so I was moved by that. I was like, this brother prays for his people. And so I just want you to know, at least from the brief interaction we had there, that Devin prays for y'all uh, and loves you. Uh, I think that's a great thing. Uh, there's a scripture, Proverbs 30. It says, um, Lord, deliver me from two things. Don't make me too rich that I forget who you are and I don't need you no more. And don't make me too poor that I do something shameful and dishonor your name. Two tests. The two tests of life. When we have too much, we forget God, we're God. And we have too little, we do some shady stuff to get out of whatever we need to do. The two tests in life. Now, uh, today we're going to look at a passage where Satan's involved, Jesus is involved, heat, weather, wilderness is involved. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this passage, and it is rich, and it can teach us a lot about life. Teach us a lot about how to handle those moments where we're under fire. I heard someone say that people are like tea bags. Uh, you put them in hot water, and the stuff comes out. Right? You put them in hot water, stuff comes out. And it's the truth. People are like tea bags. When you put them in hot water, things start to emerge. Um, what emerges in you? What emerges in most folks where we're in hot water? When we're cut off. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I know firsthand. You can go from church like, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. And then you get into the car, someone cuts you off. I'm like, ah! <laughs> You want some, right? It's the truth. There's a duality to us. There's uh, something that the scripture calls the flesh, right? Something internal, a sinful nature that we all have been stricken with. And it sort of hijacks us from joy, peace, love, trusting Jesus. It's in us. And then to make matters worse, we have this adversary, Satan. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you believe in Satan or not, um, but I do. I believe the devil is real, and he is alive. Um, in fact, there's this famous movie, and it's, it's The Usual Suspects, and it says, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever played was making you believe he didn't exist. Because when you believe he doesn't exist, you are vulnerable. It's like anything else. How do you get rid of your enemy? Surprise attack. I didn't know you were there. The greatest trick Satan ever pulled was making you believe he didn't exist. Or making you believe he's this man with a pitchfork, red tail coming out of his butt. Pitch, you know, coming all hot, red. Must come from Arizona. Why is he so red, right? What is with this guy, right? But that is not who Satan is. Now, one of the classic scenes of Satan is when you see him in the beginning. Adam and Eve, they got everything. 
My wife and I have been married for about 16 years. She's not here right now, 16 or 17, 16 or 17, something around there. She ain't here right now. 16 or 17 years. And I remember when we first got married, uh, we got a chance to go to Hawaii and uh, to the island called Kauai. Beautiful place. And I'm a city guy, city boy. All I've been used to is concrete most of my life, right? I get to this place and I'm literally like, this can't be real. Stop it. This cannot be real. I'm literally like, I'm, I'm like overwhelmed, like just, oh my God. You know, I grew up poor. My parents, immigrants from Mexico. I didn't know any of this stuff. I went to college, graduated, but all of my life, I've just been around the concrete jungle. So seeing this was like, whoa, amazing. Not only that, I'm with my beautiful wife. And we just got married. Good times. Good times. I wish Adam and Eve would have had some perspective when the devil showed up. They got beachfront property. They got, they own the place. They get to name things. They get to have the keys to all the condominiums. They are in charge of this beautiful paradise. And not only that, they're with one another and they're like, oh my God, I'm enjoying this. And then comes who? The devil, Satan. And what does he come to say? God is holding out on you. He's holding out on you. He's told you not to eat from this tree because if you do, you'll become like him discerning good and evil you can call the shots you decide what good and right are you decide what good is what evil is god is holding out i wish they would have gotten some perspective and said you know what you're a liar god has given me so much but isn't it funny you can be surrounded by beauty so be with a person who is your soulmate. Just feel completely full and yet be vulnerable to lies. The greatest trick the devil ever played was making you believe he didn't exist. And so they took and they ate and all things literally went to hell now there's blame shifting you you're the you're the person to blame no you made me do it that snake made me do it adam eve where are you all of a sudden i can't even be right with myself i gotta cover i'm ashamed give me a fig leaf please something's not right with me something's not right with you something i need to hide from him all of a sudden chaos we get kicked out of the garden boom all because we didn't have perspective we're gonna look at a passage today where we see uh saint interact with uh jesus and we're gonna learn a little bit about how to deal with uh temptations the devil in the midst of our own trials because he attacks both when we have full but he especially attacks when we are empty. God, do not give me too much. 
Do not give me too little. Right? Let's look at this passage. It's found in Luke chapter 4. It should be on your uh, thing there. Would someone like to read out loud with a loud voice so that everyone in the room can hear Luke chapter 4 for me, please? Come on, church. Let's be the church together. Here we go. Luke chapter 4. Who wants to read it for me? A loud voice. My man, go ahead. First person to come up, verses 1 all the way through 13, please. Go ahead. And Jesus, would you bring the scripture alive that we might apply it to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls. Give us wisdom today. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. First thing you see here is uh, Satan doesn't have Jesus in a club, you know, where he's partying. He doesn't have Jesus in some kind of shady place, town. He has him in the wilderness. And um, who led Jesus there? It says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus there to be tempted by the devil. After he had been baptized, just chapter 3 previously, he comes up out of the water, the sky split open, and there's this audible voice, and it says, with you, I'm well pleased, and everyone hears it. It's a miracle, this dove. And then the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Really? If I'm honest, there have been moments where I've had trouble with this scripture. Why, Spirit, would you lead him into a place where he's vulnerable? Where he might succumb to sin or the devil's schemes? Why? And not only that, he doesn't have any resources. It says it's in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness, I think as LA people, we don't understand wilderness. We don't understand wilderness whatsoever, right? Wilderness, what is wilderness? No Wi-Fi. That's wilderness, right? I like, we don't understand wilderness. Wilderness is a place where there is nothing. I was looking at some photos, and it's just rock, 
dirt, wind, sun beating on you, it's not comfortable. It's awful. It's 90 to 100 degree weather. And you're outside, you haven't eaten anything, no one's around. What is the desert? It's a time when you are frustrated. When you feel alone, you're left out. When you feel limited and powerless. When something just occurred in your life and you feel the pangs of that. This is the wilderness. And it's in these moments that we see Satan come in and we're going to have a conversation. Now, the first thing that the Satan tells him, if you notice, is turn this rock into bread. This seems kind of harmless. What's wrong with bread? In fact, I was listening to a sermon by Tim Keller. He's like, all the, all the different temptations don't seem overtly sinful. He says, see if God will protect you. Ask God for safety. Cast yourself down from the temple and be safe. See if God will protect you. Prove that God protects you. Ask for safety. Ask for bread, and you, the last thing is, I'll give you all authority, power. And you might say, well, there's the one, that's the one. But it's Jesus. If there's anyone who can handle all power and authority, it's like, I don't mind giving power and authority to Mother Teresa, or like, I don't mind giving power and authority to like Martin Luther King Jr. Or, you know, I don't mind giving power and authority to people who I feel like, oh, yeah, these people have wisdom. Jesus he could handle this, surely. What is wrong with all these temptations? There's at the, at the face level, like at face value, you don't see anything here terribly wrong. But here's the problem. The first one is really the sin of Adam and Eve. You're hungry. You're in need. You're frustrated. Take matters into your own hands. Do it your way now do it now get it your way in a place like LA where we have a lot of competence in a place like America where the highest value is independence at least one of the highest values Jesus says I will submit to this trial I will not use my power I will not do it my own way I will wait on God. Wow. And is there a benefit of that? Why wait? You're almost dead. If you are the son of God, if you're loved, take matters into your own hands. The second temptation is similar. But this time, it's a little bit more manipulative. It's kind of like a tantrum with kids. No, you're grounded. You're about to enter the desert. Bam. You're in your room. You can't go to the party. You can't do whatever. Your parents kind of lock you in, whatever. They take something from you, a cell phone. There's some sort of punishment. As an adult, you might experience something the same. But it's divine. It's orchestrated by God if you believe in his sovereignty. And you have a choice in that moment. God, he, this is what the saint says. Go up to the highest peak. Toss yourself down and make God catch you. Cut yourself. Sounds a lot like manipulation. Sounds a lot like a tantrum. Like, I'm not getting my way. I'm going to kick. 
And if people, if you ever been, if you have children, if you ever have a child, and your child goes for it in one of those months, every every once in a while, children will go for it and say, "Let me see who rules the day. Do you rule or I rule?" And they will throw, they will scream, especially if it's in public. If it's in public, good night. They start going for it, maybe in the middle of the store, screaming, throwing things, doing all this other stuff. I'm talking to you know little guys. Not you guys. You guys are cool. Okay, not you guys. Not you guys right here. Okay, you guys are cool. I'm talking about little ones, right? And at that point, you need to decide. The parent needs to decide. Oh my gosh, big old tantrum! I'm going to say, okay, 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 okay. Just don't do that. You've just given the kid all authority and power. And Satan is like, play that game with God. I remember one time. I was asking God, God, uh, I was dating this girl in college, and I knew the relationship wasn't right for me. And I asked the Lord, Lord, give me a word. I need you to tell me today whether this is like I was just going up and down in this relationship. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> I need you to speak to me today. If you don't speak to me today, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat until you speak to me. And I immediately, this scripture came to my mind. It's like, I'm, I'm going to cut myself unless you say something. I was demanding things of God. He's no longer in charge. I'm in charge. And I remember this scripture came to my mind. I got the fear of God in me. I went down and made me a sandwich real quick. Ha, ga, 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 ga. Ah, yeah, that tastes real good. Lord Jesus, I'm just playing with you. You know, I'm <laughs> sorry, Lord, right? But there's moments where we want God God, we want to set the agenda, not you. We want our way, not your way. I have the capacity to do it. I can turn a rock into bread. We're talented people. You know, we got skills. I can do that. No, you say, no, I'm going to toss myself. I'm going to do this, Lord. I'm going to hissy fit. And then Jesus says, "Ah, do not put the Lord thy God to the test. He's the test giver. I'm not the test giver. In a relationship between a teacher, second grade, third, fourth, third, fourth, fifth, even in college, the teacher gives the test. The students do not give the test. And God says, I give the test. And Jesus rightly says, I won't do it. I'm not in a position to test God. And then the last one, he says, I'll give you everything you want. Jesus, I mean, this is a good deal. People, this is a good deal right here. Everything you want. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be here in the desert anymore. Are you tired of waiting on God? I think about Abraham. This brother in the Old Testament, this guy named Abraham, God told them, you're about to have a son. Your son's going to have this lineage. And from him has come Jesus. You're going to have all these Children in the stars, you know, as many, you have as many children as there are stars in the sky, as there are uh, sea, uh, grains of sand in the beaches. And this guy is like waiting five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20, nothing. Finally, his wife says, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I have an idea. I have a maidservant. Her name is Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her? You guys have a child, and that will be the child that we've always wanted. That's the child. That's the promised one from where God's going to work. Do you see it? Taking rock and make it into bread. Do you see it? 
I'm going to toss myself down. Do you see it? I'm going to change allegiances. They got so old at 90 years old, they're still waiting around for a child. 90. That's right, brother. He said, damn. I'm like, yes, a long time. 90 years old and nothing yet. And then God says, I'm about to give you this kid named Isaac. And they have this kid and they rejoice. They rejoice. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever. I can't claim credit for this. This is divine. This is laughable. How can a 90-year-old? This is ridiculous. I've accrued all this wealth. Now we have an heir. And so the story goes. They, did they wait on God? No, they failed. But God in his mercy still gave them a child. When we're in the desert, sometimes we want to change teams. This is frustrating. God's not answering me. I want to change teams. I think about the moment of the children of Israel in the desert. They're in the desert wandering, similar to this story. And Moses hasn't come back in a while. They just got married. The covenant, they said, we will follow you. You will follow me, God, and the people. They're like, yeah. Moses goes to kind of like just confirm these things, put, make it official, put a stamp on it. It's going to come back. You're going to be the new people of God, right? And what happens? He's gone too long. I don't know. We're out here in the desert. He hasn't responded to me yet. I've been waiting on this for a long time. Aaron, make us a cow. Make it of gold, prop it up, and let's worship. They changed allegiances. Satan will do anything and everything during your vulnerability to get you to change teams. Now, a word on Satan. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In the book of Job, Satan asked God, let me go after Job. In Revelations chapter 12, this is the craziest picture of Satan. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, time and a half, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. This is the book of Revelation. Sobering. In the parable of the sower, it's the person who has pride, stubbornness, who has a hard heart. Jesus is casting seed, but the seed cannot go in because 
whenever you kind of cast a seed to someone, and if they think they got it all together, coach, I already know that coach. I've been there, coach. This coach don't know nothing. Coach is trying to pass the seed, pass the seed. Pass. This coach don't can't teach me nothing. No humility. Seed never enters in. It says in the first, it's the first seed, the first soil. That's too hard. That's where Satan is operating. Not teachable. It says that the sin comes like a bird and grabs the seed and there's no growth. There's also, um, well, there's just several places in scripture where Satan is just, just horrible. And here are his two main tactics. He's an accuser and a tempter. So if you have a low self-esteem, he says, yeah, look at you. You'll never amount to anything. You're horrible. You messed up again? Really? When you're going to get your life together? You call yourself a Christian? Really, you're going to show up to quiet time right now? Really, after what you said last night or after you went out with your kids? Really? And he, you ever have like just a recording in your tape, like in your uh, recording over that sort of self-talk? Some of that self-talk is not self. It's demonic. It's satanic. And you need to say, like Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Self-talk. Have you ever kind of, it says in scripture, uh, cap, capture every thought and make it submit to the truth of Christ. This is a reality, self-talk. And the other is if you have a high view of yourself. High view of yourself, he's a tempter. You can do it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. One of the things that Keller says that I think is um, really wise, and I think I've been schooled by Tim Keller in this area, it's in the area of idolatry. And one of the things about idols is, um, he says it this way, he says, if you love something more than God, whatever it is, that's your Lord, and that's where Satan is operating. So that if you love your career more than anything, you'll be willing to step over people. If you need to be successful more than anything, you'll be willing to do all kinds of crazy things. If you love your children more than anything, eventually they might control you or you might do some crazy things like give all kinds of money to get them into school sideways. You heard about that recently, not too long ago? You might do all kinds of things. Whatever you love more than God owns you. And the thing about idols is in the end, they don't satisfy. They're like pacifiers. In Spanish, I like to say they're like chupones. A pacifier is something you give to a baby and they go, ah, Lord Jesus. Ah, but after a while, 
The baby comes to realize there ain't nothing here for me. This is a lie. At the end of the day, this has nothing that provides for my soul. It's a mirage. Most people in life, when they're ready to die, don't say, man, I wish I would have spent a couple of more hours in the office. I wish I would have made a couple of more thousands of dollars. I wish I would have put more emphasis on my body so it could look like, you know, X, Y, and Z. I wish I would have done this. Most people say, God, am I okay with you? And have I loved well? And this is the essence of what God is trying to get us to do. But Satan is all like, oh, this looks better, doesn't it? Oh, this looks better, doesn't it? This is better, doesn't it? And we lose our way. We lose our way. And we do all kinds of things in the process. Things that hurt others and things that hurt ourselves. Ah, Lord, help us. Help us, Jesus, to keep you at the center. For only in loving God are you truly free. I hate the fact that in religion, most of the time we think it's sort of stifling. It's going to limit our joy. It's going to limit. He said he came to give abundant life, full life. What if you saw Jesus not as a kind of constrainer, but as a liberator? Liberator from what? To live your best life. Look, at, he, knows how to live. he knows what you were designed for. You don't take a shoe and make it into a hammer. You jack, up the, you jack up the nail, the wall, and the shoe all together. It wasn't designed for that. We were designed primarily to love God and to love our neighbors, but we are caught up with so many other things, so many other extras, so many missions and ambitions that have nothing to do with love.